Well, if our God is for us, who is against us? Who can possibly be against us? What a, what, what a song. What a powerful song. And what a message the Lord has to share with you today about the hope, the power, the faith that is that's within him. Um, before we get started, as you can see, I'm not Pastor Jeff this morning. But I bring you an update and um, that Pastor Jeff is getting better. The swelling is, yeah, the swelling is starting to recede. And you know Pastor Jeff, he says, I'm gonna, he's going to try to be here next week. Okay, so hold him up in prayer that the swelling continues to go down. And Pastor Jeff is hopefully not just sitting here, but standing here next week, sharing what God has done in and through his life. Uh, before we get started today, I just want to bring up Tracy. Are you out here somewhere? Come on up here real quick, Tracy. You know what? I need to get you a microphone. Come on up. All right, everybody. You know Tracy. She's from uh, Angel Tree. You guys remember Angel Tree at Christmas time? We do all the gifts and everything. Then we send the kids to camp. What's yours? Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I, I just want to quickly say thank you for all of your support in the past with our Angel Tree. Um, if you weren't here at Christmas time, that's a re and we're, Angel Tree is part of Prison Fellowship Ministries, and we reach out to prisoners' kids and their families who live right here in the desert. And uh, through Christmas, we met 45 families and over 100 kids that live here in the desert, yeah, and awesome. we were able to give them a Christmas present on behalf of their incarcerated parents. So thank you. CRD yes. for all your support um, over the years. Um, and then in the summertime, we get a chance to take these same kids, 7 to 11-year-olds, to summer camp. And you, the tech team, thank you. You guys have put videos. Maybe you've seen some videos of the camp. There's some pictures back here. Um, all the emails and all the Instagrams and everything, you've probably seen a lot about it. But I just wanted to, to personally thank you for your generosity and giving to, back to these kids. There's about usually about 2,000 kids just here in the desert that are prisoners' kids, um, 70,000 in Southern California, just to throw some numbers at you, but seven out of 10 of those kids, seven out of 10 will follow in the footsteps of their parents. So we're trying to break that cycle of crime, and I think with your help and with God's word, I think we can break that cycle of crime and, and, and get these kids at a young age and tell them that they're loved by God and that God has a plan and purpose for their life. They don't hear that anywhere else, you guys. They only hear it from us. So we have a chance to do that. Yeah. By sending these kids to camp this summer, we're going to go in July. Um, so if you want to donate, $300 would be a full spo a, a sponsorship for one child. But any amount, any amount that you can give toward these kids to get them to camp would be wonderful. 30 to 40 kids we hope to take um, in July. And again, it's just a way to start that, breaking that cycle of crime in the lives of these children. And so... Thank you so much for your continued support of Angel Tree and all of these kids. Again, like my husband would say, this is a great expression of the gospel to reach mm. out to the least of these. Mm. That's what we're hoping to do. Oh, thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. And also, you know, since we've got a moment, we haven't been sharing much about, um, but on your announcement sheets, all, you'll find all your announcements. We've got all our summer Bible studies. Tables are out back for those. Kaleo Bay Alzheimer's Care Center, for those of you that don't know, we go there every Sunday. People volunteer and do a church service for them every Sunday at 11 o'clock. If any of you with the summer come in, we're, obviously you can see our numbers are down for the summer. Our snowbirds, have a lot of them have already left. If it's something that you think you may want to help and volunteer, just stop at the table and we explain to you how that all works. So we hope you'll do that. All right, well, I want to talk to you today about, and we're going to be in Hebrews 11. So if you got your Bible, you can turn to there, Hebrews 11, and we're going to be hanging out pretty much there 
for the short time that we have together. And when you see me wipe my nose, it's only because I have allergies. So there's the question I want to ask everybody. What, what does it take to please God? That's what we're going to look at today. What does it take to actually please him? You know, some people think that the way you please God is through rituals. You know, you chant certain prayers over and over, or you light some incense, or you light some candles. Maybe you do some real uh, ritualistic kind of things to please God. I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but that's not what the Bible says. Some people think the way you please God is through rules and regulations, that you make the list of all the things you're supposed to do, then you got the other list of all the things you're not supposed to do. And if you do all the things that you're supposed to do and not too many on the, that you're not supposed to do, God's like, hey, good job. But that's uh, not what the Bible says either. Some people think the way that you please God is through religion. You know, hey, if you observe certain holy days, you go to church on Sunday, you attend Bible study, you know, any of those type of things, that you're just a religious enough person. And God says, hey, you're on my A-list. That's not what the Bible says either. You know, every once in a while during my message, I give this thing called Don't Miss This. And that's if you forget everything else I say over the next 30 minutes that we have together, that you re hopefully remember this. The Bible says God isn't interested in your rituals or rules or regulations or religion. He's interested in a relationship with you and with me. And maybe you're thinking, why a relationship? Because he wants you to get to trust him. Because you see, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that it's impossible to please God unless you have this one thing. Are you ready? Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. It's by faith. And that's what got me thinking this week. What is faith? Anyways, right? And then as I start looking at it, it's like a multifaceted diamond. There's so many different aspects and, and angles to it, you know. And so this morning what I want to do is just take a look at six aspects of faith and of how to live the kind of life that pleases God, okay? So let me give you the very first one, and I gave you notes, and you can follow along and fill in the spaces if you'd like. But here's the very first one. Faith is first believing what I don't see. What did you say, Paul? Faith is believing when I don't see it. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the insurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. In other words, being certain of something that you don't see. Faith is visualizing the future while you're in the present. It's seeing it in advance and being certain of what you don't see. You know, as human beings, don't we? We often say, I'll believe it when I... That's right. And God says, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. You got it backwards. Some things you have to believe in order to see. Whether you're an architect planning a building, or whether you're an artist and you're creating a sculpture, or whether you're an Olympic athlete trying to break a world's record, you have to believe it, am I right, before you see it. All those things require faith. 
You have to believe it's possible in advance, long before it's even possible. That's what the Bible says faith is, believing when I don't see it. Now, here's the second one. Faith is obeying when I don't understand it. Let's look at a guy named Abraham. Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. He's 75 years old. Just about the time he's ready to collect Social Security, his Medicare card just showed up in the mail, and God says, no. No, 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 no. I don't want you to hang it up yet. It's not time for you to retire. You're getting ready, Abraham, to go on the adventure of your life at age 75. You're getting ready for social insecurity. <laughs> okay, that's what's coming. <laughs> And I'm going to take you, okay, and I'm going to turn you into a father of a brand new nation. Now, can you imagine, 75 years old. And look at, I am sure standing here that he had to have his doubts, right? Because he asked God, where are we going? And God says, you never heard of the place. Abraham goes, well, how long is it going to take us to get there? God basically says, don't worry about it. Then Abraham says, how will I know when I'm there? God says, I'll tell you. If you read, got to read the story. That's what it was. Would you do that? But because Abraham obeyed, when he didn't understand, he became the father of the nation called Israel. Generation after generation had been blessed because he obeyed when it made no sense at all. Friends, faith always involves risk. Let me say it again. It always involves risk. Some people want to guarantee a success before they obey God. Like, they'll go ahead and they'll grab the Bible and they'll be reading it, you know, and you'll be going through it. And the Holy Spirit, God starts talking to you, right? And he says, you know, I'd like you to go do something. And then you, have you ever done this? Okay, I'll, uh, um, once you can guarantee it, God, I'll go ahead and do what you're asking me to do. God says, well, if that's the case, that doesn't require any faith at all. I want you to believe when you don't see it. And I want you to obey when you don't understand it. In the New Testament, there are over 1,050 commands of God in there. He says, I want you to do this, and if you do this and this, your life will be blessed. Friends, many times when God tells us to do something, this, sometimes we don't like this, but it's, it's a test. And you're probably thinking, why would God attest? Why would God test me? See, it's a test of whom, who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe God or am I going to believe Paul? Am I going to believe my gut, what my gut's telling me to do? Or am I going to believe what God's telling me to do? You know, this is what I think's the right thing to do. Do you remember when you were a kid and your parents would tell you to do something that made no sense at all when you were a kid growing up? And you thought, what? Well, my parents don't know anything. They're just a bunch of old fogies. Do you remember those days as a, as a young kid? They don't know anything. You know, looking back many times now, you can see the wisdom of maybe of what they were telling you. And now you can see some of the reasons why they told you what to do or not to do. 
They were just telling you out of love. They were telling you for your own benefit. Friends, there are a lot of times following God, I'm telling you, it doesn't make sense. For instance, how about this? God says when people hurt you and they abuse you and they misuse you, forgive them. Does that really sound like the right thing to do? I mean, you know, it's like, like what? The natural thing to do is retaliate. The natural thing to do is I'm going to get even with you. God says don't be resentful because resentment always hurts you more than it does somebody else. Just forgive them for your own sake so you can get on with your life. That's, that's, that's what it says in here. And then you think, well, why should I? Why should I, God? And you read over and over, God says, because if you keep holding on to the hurt and you keep holding on to the bitterness, the only person you're hurting is yourself. Here's the point. If you learn to do whatever God tells you to do, even when it seems absurd, God will bless your life. You're going to build a life of faith. And believe me, that's the foundation for a wonderful life. I once asked my wife, Mary, most of you know her. I asked her, I said, can you think of a time when, when you obeyed God, when he told you to do something that didn't make any sense to you? And she looked at me and she goes, I sure did. <laughs> when he told me to marry you. <laughs> You're like, you knew that ahead of time. <laughs> so look, at, let me just kind of recap a little bit. Faith is believing when I don't see it. Faith is obeying. It makes no sense at all. I don't understand it. And faith is generous when I don't have it. Generosity and faith go together. God uses our finances to test our faith. Have you ever had to decide between tithing and paying a bill? Come on, have you? I mean, have you ever had that happen to you? I remember, I mean, it's a test. I remember early on when I was a, a brand new believer, you know, and I, I remember one day Mary put a check in the envelope, and I, before she licked it and sealed it in church, I pulled it, and we go, what? You know, I mean, we, we're, we're going to make our mortgage payment that month, and I go, what, you know, what are you doing? She had faith. She said, God told me this. See, what are you going to do? Are you going to trust God? God says, that's what God was saying. He goes, well, I don't know, Paul. Are you going to trust me or are you going to trust yourself? Hebrews 11. You know, it's known as the Christian Hall of Fame. And the first guy who gets listed is a man named Abel. Abel gets listed not because he did something great. Are you ready? Are you gonna he didn't do anything great, okay? He didn't. He had no great accomplishment. He had no great achievement to his name. The only thing he did was give an offering. And God put him in the Hall of Fame. You see, because it wasn't how much he gave. This is important. It wasn't how much he gave. It was how he gave. Look at Hebrews 11.4 in your Bibles, and I'm sure it'll be up on the screen. It said, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. He's testifying about his generosity, generous through his faith that he had. It wasn't what he gave that pleased God. You understand? It's how he gave it. Let me break it down a little bit. It's how he gave it. It wasn't the amount. It's the attitude. 
God doesn't care about the money. You know, God doesn't need our money. Okay, he doesn't need our money. He, I mean, he owns everything. He doesn't need it. He can make anything happen. It's for our own benefit. He worries about the attitude of what we have. See, you need to understand there are two ways to be generous. First way, by reasoning, thinking through it, using logic. You see, when I give by reason, I look at my bank account, and I see how much I got in the account, and then I figure out what I can afford. I give a reasonable amount based on what I can afford. That doesn't require any faith at all. An atheist can give by reason. You don't have to believe in God for that. But, another, but the other way to give is by revelation. Revelation is when you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit, how generous do you want me to be? Do You see, that's the kind of generosity that God is looking for. Listen, there is nothing wrong with setting up in certain amounts every week or month, with however God leads you to give. But the key is, is God guiding you that way? Sometimes it's just great to stop and sit down and say, God, what do you want me to do this week? Maybe he doesn't want you to write a check to the church at all. Maybe he wants you to write a check to Angel Tree or some other ministry, or maybe there's a family member in, in, in trouble. He just talk to me, trust me, ask me, let me speak to you. And here's number four. Faith is persisting when I just don't feel like it. That's the opposite of our culture. Our culture says, do everything based on your feelings. If it feels good, <laughs> do it, right? If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. The problem with that is, here's the problem with that, is when, when we live by our emotions, we end up being manipulated by our moods. I don't always feel like being nice to people. Do you? Sometimes I want to be selfish. I choose to be grumpy and grouchy, <laughs> okay? And I want everybody to serve me. Sometimes I don't feel like serving my wife. I don't. Sometimes I think of myself before her. And this might shock you all, okay? I, I, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, but... Sometimes, even as your pastor, I don't feel like reading the Bible. Sometimes I don't even want to pray. But I've learned an important lesson. I want to pass this on to you. I discovered that when I don't feel like it, that's usually when I really need to read the Bible and pray. In fact, I, I discovered that the only time... I discovered that if the only time I pray and read the Bible is when I feel like it, Trust me when I tell you this, and I'll give you a couple of scripture verses. The devil's going to make sure I never feel like it. He'll always have distractions pulling me away from that. You know, a couple weeks ago, Jeff was sharing out of Ephesians 6 with all of us. And he said, and it says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the, what does that mean? It's, this is the spiritual realm. Because remember, our struggle is what? It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers. It's against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's the enemy moving things around, talking in your ear. You know the old thing. Remember, I mean, we're all, most of us are old enough to remember the cartoons with the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, guys, remember? Go do it, go do it. No, 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 don't do it. You know, going back and forth, right? That voice. 
you know, the enemy. No, no, don't do it. Don't pray. You know, don't hold that person up. Don't call them. Look what it says in Ephesians 6.18. With all prayer and petition, pray all, time, all, all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert. There's a word. I should underline that. on the t- With all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Paul's saying, listen, whatever you do, and the battle that we're all fighting here, okay, because it really isn't the flesh and blood. It isn't that person that you're angry with. It's the spirit that's within them, the things that they're dealing with and struggling with and working through. You know, it's like, look, pray all the time, as often as you can for those. Pray for all the saints. You're all saints. Many of us are believers are saints. First, first Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Faith is being persistent. Faith is refusing. I'm not going to give up. Faith is doing the right thing when you're tired and you're moody. But how do you develop persistence? You guys all know the story of Moses. You know, he leads an entire nation that had been in slavery for 400 years, right? He leads them out across the wilderness, through the Red Sea, out to the Sinai Peninsula, and they circle around for 40 years. 40 years! God's trying to get them ready. 40 years. How do you be persistent? Millions of people circling. I love what it says here in Hebrews 11, 27. By faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king, the wrath of the pharaoh. For he endured as seeing him, here we go again, to the unseen, who is unseen. I love the New King James Version. It says this. He held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. He could already see the future. He had the faith and trust and belief in God that this is going to happen. So how do you be persistent? Here's the key. Here's the key. You keep your eyes on God. You keep your eyes not, this is so important, you keep your eyes not on what you see going on around you. You keep your eyes on what's unseen. Knowing that God is working, be persistent that he's in your life and he's working through that situation. Look, at I know some of you today are at a quitting point. Some of you feel like you're ready to give up on your marriage. You're ready to give up on a friendship. You're ready to give up on school. It's just getting too hard. Maybe you're ready to give up on a career or that dream or maybe that hope of maybe ever getting married or ever owning a home. Some of you feel like, you know, my health situation is just hopeless. It's just hopeless. I'm never going to get any better. Some of you think, my finances, forget it, man. Now that's hopeless. I'm never going to get out of debt. And you just feel like, oh, no, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm giving up. Can I tell you that God brought you here? If those, any of those are you, he brought you here so he can tell you this one thing, okay? Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't look at the seen. Look at the unseen. Look to the God, your creator, that created everything. Don't look at your situation. Keep believing when you don't see it. Obey when you don't understand it. Be generous when you don't have it. 
Keep persistent when you don't feel like it. Keep your eyes on God. If you look at your problem, you're going to be overwhelmed. If you look at the world, you're going to be distressed. If you look within, you're going to be depressed. If you look at God, can I tell you, friends, you're going to be at rest. It's all what you have your eyes on. And there are two things that you need to know about faith. Faith is thanking God before I receive it. Let me give you an example. This is like Joshua in the book of Joshua. I'm telling you, if you don't have one of these, you got to get one. Okay, I mean, I'm telling you, you got to get one of these things. The stories in here are incredible, and what God's putting here. If you don't have one, I encourage you, go out and get one. They're awesome. You ready for this? Hebrews 11.30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. They had been encircled for seven days. The people of God marched around the city walls for seven days. First, they were in quiet. They were in silence. Then later, on the seventh, they just broke out in praise. The whole time they were, you ready? They were thanking God in advance that he already delivered the city into their hands. And on that seventh day, after thanking God in advance, the walls came tumbling down. Because you see, friends, faith is not believing God can do something, all right? Because God can do anything, whether you believe it or not. Let me say that again. Look at Faith isn't believing that God can do something. God can do it whether you believe him or not. His ability is not dependent upon you thinking he can do it. Faith is not believing that God will do something. That's hope. Faith is not believing God will do something. That's hope. You hope he will. Faith, here it is, faith is believing God is doing something right now, even though I don't see it. Did you catch that? There's a... Faith is not believing God will do something, that he will. That's just hope. Faith is believing he is right now. What's that situation in your life? You're having faith. That is, it's, he is doing it. I don't see it yet, but you know he's working behind the scenes. The answer's on its way. He's moving the pieces into place as we're sitting here this morning. It's thanking God in advance. I love what Jesus said here in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray, believe that you have received them, past tense. They will be granted to you, present tense. In other words, if I was to say to you, you know, uh, you know what, after service, come on up. I got a gift for you. I got a gift for you. Right after service, I want you to come up. I got a $5,000 check I want to give you. Okay, um, would you wait until after you cast a check to thank me? Or would you thank me when I handed you that $5,000? The money's not actually in your hands yet, but you're thanking me in advance because you figure Paul's checks are good. God's checks are good. You can thank him in advance for what he's offered and promised to all of us. Friends, a promise is only as good as the person that gives it to you. Has anybody ever promised you something and not followed through? Have you given a promise and <laughs> not followed through? 
Can I tell you, God keeps his promises. And another reason to get one of these, there's over 7,000 of them in here. I know that to be true because I read it on the internet. But there's 7,000 promises in there. So let me ask you a question. If you wait until after a prayer has been answered to thank God, is that faith? That's right. No, that's gratitude. Gratitude is saying, thank you, God, for what you did. Faith is thanking God in advance of what he did. I'm saying faith is thanking God in advance. Believing the answer is all, it's already happened. You're just waiting to see it. That means, let me tell you, that means if God tells you to go after Moby Dick in a rowboat, okay, all right, you take some tartar sauce, you take some malt vinegar, you take some lemon and a bunch of friends because you're going to have a fish fry, okay? You trust him when he tells you to do things that make no sense at all and the odds are against you. It doesn't matter. It's God in the equation. And here's number six. Faith is trusting God even when I don't get the answer I expected or wanted. You know, some people try to make God like a vending machine. That God will automatically give you or me anything we want. But it's not true. God's not a vending machine. Vending machines will give you things that you don't need. Vending machines will give you things that aren't healthy for you. God will never give you anything that's not good for you. God is not some kind of vending machine where you put in a prayer and you automatically get everything you want. Some people teach that today, though. They teach the idea that if you have enough faith, you'll always be well. You'll never get sick. You'll never have any problems. Everything will be going great. But can I tell you, it's a bunch of baloney. It's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that. Can I tell you, this is what it teaches. God is more interested in your character and who you're developing to be than he is anything in your comfort. God's more interested in making you holy than he is to make you happy. Because God knows holiness is the way to genuine happiness and fulfilling joy in your life. The Bible says that faith is trusting even when I don't get what I want. Let me share two truths with you. Truth number one, God hears and answers every one of your prayers. Truth number two, he doesn't always answer them the way you want him to. Sometimes when you pray, he does say yes. Sometimes you pray and God says, nah, no. Sometimes you pray and goes, the time is just not right yet. Not yet, not, not, not yet. But what I found in my life most of the time, God says, you know what, Paul? I got a whole lot better idea. I got something different in mind. Faith is trusting. It's trusting God even when I don't get the answer that I expected or that I wanted. See, living by faith does not exempt you from problems. Sometimes we pray for God to remove a problem. And instead, he keeps the problem there. But, that, but, he, but he gives you strength to get through it, and you end up being stronger. Think about this. If God took all the problems out of your way, if God took 
all the problems out of all of our ways. You know, we're just a bunch of spoiled brats. Right? I mean, with your kids, you're going to spoil your kids. You're going to be nothing but a spoiled brat. You give them everything you ever wanted. God knows us better than our, than our parents knew us. We've been done but a bunch of spoiled brats. God wants you to have character, strength, maturity. Can I tell you, anybody can trust God when things are going good. Anybody can give when you got extra money. Anybody can persist when the finish line's only two more inches in front of them. Anybody can believe when it's right there in front of them. But real faith is built in the valleys of life. Sometimes it's trusting God when I just don't get it. So let me ask you a few questions. Which of these six aspects of faith do you need to work on? How much faith do you have? If you had to rate your faith from 1 to 10, where would you fall? Which ones of those maybe do we need to work on? Do you need to work on believing when you don't see it? Do you need to work on obeying when I, I just don't understand it? Do you need to work on just being generous or persisting when you don't feel like it? Or maybe you need to work on thanking God before you even received it. Or maybe you need to work on just trusting when you don't get what you asked for. So in close, let me give a couple more things here. Well, Paul, then how, how do I build my faith? How does God build my faith? I want to wrap it up with two things. First is right here. It's through his word. It's through the Bible. It's here that you will build your faith by reading his word. Listen, if, I encourage you to get into his word. Romans 10, 17 said, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word. So the more you get into this, the more you're going to grow in your faith. If you don't really ever read it, you can't expect your faith to grow a whole lot. And the second way God builds your faith and I have to tell you, mine's been built this way. I wish it was another way, but it was through trials and testings. Am I the only one here? You know, I love what 1 Peter says. If you keep notes, 1 Peter 1.7. So that the proof of your faith and mine, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. New King James says these trials are only to test your faith. And your faith is far more precious to God than gold. It will bring to you praise and honor on the day of his return. Friends, God will use difficulties to test your faith. God will use oh, demands on your time to test your faith. God will use dollars, <laughs> generosity to test your faith. And he'll use delays. Test your faith. Imagine Pastor Jeff. The delay on the healing. Test your faith. I know some of you are going through a tough time right now. I know some of you are ready to give up. But I want to say to you something here. Hang on. Just feel God holding you. You know that saying, let go, let God? Let God hold you. 